Let's give it up for our kids again. Give them a big hand. Awesome. Woo! How about that? Isn't that good? I uh, used to be a part of that team, and um, I would be exhausted after 10 seconds, so they kicked me out. Um, we got a couple of people who are going to join our church today, so I'd like for them to come forward. I believe Clayton's going to join, and uh, got another young lady that's going to be joining today. Just walk right on up here, and uh, we'll be receiving you as members today. There she is. All right. They have uh, taken our 101 class, and uh, Clayton passed with a 70, but you passed. So, yeah. And uh, we just love these guys, and they were not here when we took members in a couple weeks ago, so they're going to introduce themselves to you. Hi, my name's Clayton Couch. I uh, came up here to the Detroit Pediatric Team, and I'm a senior at Johnson Air Force Base. I uh, came out of Pensacola, and now I'm here. I'm going to stay stationed here, and so I uh, wanted to definitely join this church. Awesome, man. We're glad to have you, buddy. Awesome. Hi, I'm Linda Norris. Um, my husband and I live in Goldsboro. Quite a change. We lived in Florida for 20 years, but I'm loving it, and I absolutely love Whitley. Awesome. Thank you so much. We welcome you into our church. We're glad to have you. Thank you, guys. We're beginning a brand new sermon series today called Dare You to Move. It's all about worship. It's all about worship. We had a little boy at the bridge this week. And we got through uh, with all of our service, and we had some great services at the bridge. Hey, listen, last night at the bridge, 199 people were in the bridge last night. It was packed out. I don't know how many we had Thursday night, but it looked like the same uh, crowd. And so God is really blessing us at the bridge, and uh, we just thank the Lord for that. But a little, a little boy looked up at his daddy after that sermon and after the music and all the stuff that we did, and he said, Dad, you're going to move? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Dare you to move. He said, you want to move, Dad? <laughs> so I hope, I hope what this series will do is get you to just take a step into deeper worship of God. Now listen, people worship in different ways. Some people worship very outwardly. Some people worship in a more reserved way. You know what counts? Your heart. Your heart. And we want you here at Whitley Church to be free to worship the Lord as you are led by the Holy Spirit to worship Him. We're going to look at the Old Testament today at a story about a man named Jehoshaphat. Now, young people, his last part of his name was P-H-A-T, so it was a good kind of fat. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to call him Jehoshaphat, all right? And... Um, Three armies are coming against him. Now, we don't have any slides today. The sermon notes are in your worship program. And I knew that a lot of you might not bring your Bible because we usually put the scriptures up on the screen. So I gave you all the scripture there. You say, Pastor, if you preach on all this scripture, we'll be here to lunchtime. I understand, but we're going to go through it quickly. And here's the problem. It isn't that I preach too long. It's that y'all don't listen fast enough. So I want to just encourage you to listen faster, okay? All right, let's begin with verse 1. and That's a good verse to begin with, isn't it? Number 1. It says, it happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and with them the Ammonites. Now these are the bad guys. Ammon, Moab, and others with the Ammonites, people from Mount Seir, we'll see their name later. These are the bad guys. These are the Klingons. 
all right? These are, <laughs> my nerds just said, I'm with you now. Um, so the bad guys came to battle against Jehoshaphat, okay? And his name's Jehoshaphat. I guess his mom was mad at him. No, she, uh, all the names in the Old Testament meant something. And so uh, look at verse 2. It says, then came, someone came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, hey, Jehoshaphat, three nations have created an alliance. They've put their armies together, and they are coming against you. You see that in verse 2? They're coming against you, and he tells them exactly where they're coming from. Go to verse 3 now. And the Bible says Jehoshaphat feared. Now, that's not a paralyzing fear. That's not a bad fear. It's a good fear. You all do know that there's a good fear and a bad fear. Now, the bad fear is the fear that paralyzes you. The fear that, that says you can't do it and you can't be effective and you can't do anything for God. And, and uh, you know, it puts you down. That fear that just causes you to wrap yourself up and in yourself and hide I'm not talking about that kind of fear but there's a good kind of fear that says you know what before I cross highway 70 I need to look both ways so there's a good kind of fear and that good kind of fear is a fear that takes a realistic assessment of the situation and appreciates the seriousness of it and that's called wisdom and the Bible says that Jehoshaphat when he heard that these three nations had come together and were coming against him to war against him, he knew he didn't have a chance, and he'll admit that in just a minute. Because Jehoshaphat wasn't a warrior. Now, David was a warrior, wasn't he? David was a warrior. But Jehoshaphat was an innovator. Jehoshaphat was creative, and if you'll study church history, you'll find that about him, that he was very creative and and invented a lot of really cool things back for that day, back in that day. So Jehoshaphat hadn't built his army up. Now Israel, I mean Ju Judah, uh, the nation was divided at this time. Judah had um, a, a great army, but they didn't have an army to match up against three armies coming together. <clears throat> so the Bible says in verse 3 that he respected the situation. He was alarmed and respected the seriousness of the situation. And his first reaction was to pray. Now, is that your first reaction? You remember Lonnie Riley last week saying, what do you think of first when the doctor tells you you're sick or when, you, when you're sick? What do you think of first? You think of the doctor, you think of Jesus. Nothing wrong with doctors. We love doctors. We have doctors who come to our church. But do you think of Jesus first? Do you think of the pastor first? You ought not even think of me or one of our staff members first. When you know crisis is coming or difficulty is coming, your first, thought, your first thought ought to be him. And it ought to be that you're going to go to him in prayer. So look what it says in verse 3. It says, Jehoshaphat, the leader of Judah, set himself. I love that. He set himself. Sometimes there are a lot of distractions in your life and you have to set yourself to seek the Lord. Y'all hear me on that right there? How many of you out there know there's a lot of distractions in this old world? So you have to focus. You have to set yourself. Now, if I'd have been Jehoshaphat, it would have been hard to focus because probably if he'd have looked off in the distance, he could have seen the dust from the chariot wheels of the enemy as they're roaring toward him. But he focused. The Bible says he focused and he said it's time to pray and seek the Lord. So he didn't only pray. Look what he added to his prayer. He proclaimed a what? Fast. How many of y'all fasted with us a couple of months ago? Wasn't that good? 
Sometimes you need to put fasting with prayer. Sometimes it won't happen and that prayer won't come through until you link it with fasting. We've got a lot of information on fasting if you want to learn about that. So it says he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4, so Judah gathered together to do what? Ask help of the Lord. And from the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So Three times in verse 3 and 4, it states the purpose. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. Now look what it says in verse 5. Jehoshaphat begins to pray. He calls all the people together. He says, the enemy's coming to destroy us. He said, let's pray. Now, I don't know how you'd have prayed if you'd have been in a situation like that, but I know how I would have prayed. I would have started off with, help! But not Jehoshaphat. He knew that before he asked for anything, he needed to praise his God. He needed to, to worship his God. Now, let me tell you something about praise and worship at the beginning of your prayer, which is why we have worship first. One of the reasons we have worship first is because worship lifts your faith. See, you might come to church kind of beaten up a little bit because you've been out there, but when you come in, we just start singing. And we start talking about how awesome God is and how great God is and how powerful God is. And how many of you have come kind of down, but when we got through with worship, you had reconnected with God. Amen. I've been there, man. Listen, sometimes it's me. Sometimes on the front row, I'm faking it. I'm going, I'm really happy today. <laughs> but sometimes you have to just fake it till you make it. Amen. Sometimes you say, I'm going to praise God. I don't feel like praising God. I can't think of much to praise God for, but I'm going to praise God anyway. And all of a sudden, something just kind of breaks off. Something kind of just breaks through. You say, my situation didn't change. No, but your perspective of God changed. And when you put your trouble beside our great big God and you get the right perspective, all of a sudden your faith level goes up. If you're with me, say amen out there. So he starts praying. He says, oh, Lord God of our fathers, y'all with me, you got your scripture out, you're looking at it? Oh, Lord God of our fathers, we're in verse 6, are you not God in heaven? And God said, yeah. And he said, and do you not rule over all, not just Judah, not just Israel, but don't you rule over all the kingdoms of the world, all the kingdoms of the nations? And God said, yeah. And God in your hand, is there not power in your hand? You see what Jehoshaphat's doing here? He is building up his faith. He's building up the faith of the people. How? Through worship. Through worship. God is breaking through. They're getting a new perspective of God. He says, aren't you the God who has power in his hand? Aren't you the God who has might in his hand? And God say, yeah. And then he said, so that God, no one, including this bunch that's coming to destroy us, the Klingons are coming, Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, they're coming. And God, they will not be able to withstand you. And then he goes on in verse 7, he says, are, not, are you not our God? God said, yeah. <laughs> he said, aren't you the God who drove out the inhabitants of the land? Before your people Israel, y'all remember when the children of Israel were in Egyptian bondage and Charlton Heston came and set them free, y'all remember? <laughs> and so they came out. <laughs> Somebody's back there going, amen, amen. And uh, 
and they came out of the land of Egypt. And the Bible says when they crossed over the Jordan, Moses wasn't their leader anymore. Who was their leader when they crossed Jordan? Joshua. And they crossed over the Jordan River. And the Bible says God drove out the inhabitants of the land that didn't belong there and it wasn't their land. And he gave God their land back. He gave God's people their land back. The land of Canaan. The land of promise. He said in verse 7, aren't you that God who did that? He said, and aren't you the God who gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? God, didn't you give us this land we're on? And they're coming to take it. They're coming back. I see the dust. I hear the horses' hooves. I, I hear the wheels of the chariots. They're coming to take it back, God. They're coming to steal it away. He said, aren't you the God that gave it to us? And then in verse 8, he says, and then they dwelled in it, the people of Israel. And God, you built a sanctuary in that land. And you build it in for your name saying, listen to this, this is the promise of God. Listen to this. God, you said if disaster comes upon us, I think disaster's coming according to this story, isn't it? But look at the promise of God. See, you've got to know your Bible when you pray because if you don't know your Bible when you pray, you don't know how to pray. So see, he understood. He said, God, I've, I've read your word and I read in your word that if a sword comes against us, y'all with me in verse 9? If judgment comes against us, you said if pestilence or famine, that means the economy's bad. Come on. Anybody got bad economy right now? Listen, it don't matter to God about the economy. He owns every bit of it. You need a job? Keep crying out to him. He'll provide for you in the middle of famine, in the middle of pestilence, in the middle of a bad economy. God will take care of you if you'll press in on him. Is anybody out there this morning? y'all don't say amen, I'll ask for them. I have been known in some churches to go sit down on the front row, look up here at the stage and say amen to myself. <laughs> I have. I seriously have done that. Because I knew it was good. They didn't know, but I knew. He said, God, you told us that if somebody comes against us with sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, you said, God, that if we'll stand before you in this temple and in your presence, your name is in this temple. Is the Lord in this temple right here? Is the Lord in this house? Can I tell you something? God isn't in the sheetrock and the carpet. He's in you. You're the temple of God. You're the house of God. And when you leave here this morning, he'll go with you. You are his holy temple. You are the temple. If this building burns down, we'll meet somewhere else next Sunday, and Whitley will be wherever we meet because we are the house of God. We're the temple of God. That's good preaching right there. Make me a tape. And God, you told us if we would gather in your temple, look at the last part of verse 9. You said, God, if we'd cry out in our afflictions, you said you would hear us and you would what? Save us. Now, God, we're just saying what you said. Now, are they saying that to remind God? No, sir. They're saying that to remind themselves. Verse 10. Now, this is Jehoshaphat now. He's praying in front of all of Judah and he's reminding them. Of the goodness of God. Let, let me tell you one of the best things to do when you're in trouble. Look back on another time when you, when you were in trouble and how God got you out of it then. And if he got you out of it then, guess what? He can get you out of it now. I don't know where you're at and I don't know if your back's against the wall, but I'm telling you something right now. If he got you out before, he'll get you out again. You say, well, i got to tell you something, Pastor. I can look back, but I'm in my darkest hour right now. I'm going through the hardest thing right now this morning, on this Sunday morning in my life that I've ever gone through. I've got to tell you something about that. There was a young boy in the Bible. He was a teenager. His name was Stephen. 
and they were, and when they were stoning him to death, and when he was in his worst time of his old, whole life, it was the only time the scripture records him saying, I see Jesus. It's in your darkest hour sometimes that you can see him the clearest. So if you're going through dark, dark, dark times, look for Jesus. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Look at verse 10. He said, now, Lord, now he's going to move out of praise into petition. You see, you start your prayers with praise because that lifts your faith up. Then when you get your faith lifted up, then you start saying, and God, this is what I need you to do. So look at verse 10. Now, here are the Klingons. Here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade. God, when we could have killed them earlier in history, you wouldn't let us kill them. You wouldn't let us invade them when, they came, when we came out of the land of Egypt. But God, they turned from them. The people of Israel turned from them and did not destroy them. That means earlier in history, had Israel wanted to, and had God not stopped them, they could have wiped out the Ammonites and the, and the Moabites and the Mount Seirites and the termites. They could have wiped them all out. But he says, God, we didn't do it. You told us not to kill these people. We didn't kill these people. Look at verse 11. He said, here they are. They're back. They're back. Look how they're rewarding us. Look how they're rewarding us. We could have killed them, but we didn't. Look how they're rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession. They're coming to throw us out of the land that you gave us to inherit. And now look at verse 12. Oh, God, will you not judge them? For we have no power. Look at the humility of this leader. Look at the humility of this leader. Look, you're not a leader because you're arrogant. You're a leader when you serve. Look at the humility. For we have no power against this great multitude, God. You say, well, that's not faith. No, I tell you what that is. That's a realistic assessment of the situation. Amen, amen. He said, I looked at my army and I looked at their army and I saw we're going to get our hiney kick if we don't do something right now to get a hold of God. No other preacher in Goldsboro will say hiney today except me. <coughs> That's the Greek word for you know what. Okay. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against you. Look what he says. He even goes lower. He even goes lower in his humility. He says, God, we can't win this battle against them. And then he goes lower. He says, nor do we know what to do. But then he says, look at the end. What does he say? But our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. Well, what happened then? Well, all Judah's there, verse 13, with their little ones, their wives. And so all the family, you see the family standing there, daddy, mama, and the little kids, and they're all looking straight up to heaven. Because our pastor, Jehoshaphat, just told us that we can't win this battle, and he don't know what to do. So we're all looking straight up going, God, the answer is in you. It's in you. It's in you. And then all of a sudden in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Now this is a prophetic word. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jehaziel. And I don't know what Jehaziel looked like, but I think he looked like Barney Fife. Because I think God uses people that the world won't use. I tell you something, what the world throws away, God picks it up and makes something great out of it. Listen to me, God doesn't see you for what you are. He sees you for what he can make out of you. Somebody need to hear that this morning. And so the Bible says, oh, Je Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and he's kin to a lot of people, looks like. And uh, he was of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. 
And he said, now that's not Jehaziel talking, but when it's a prophetic word, who's talking? God's talking. This is God through Jehaziel. You say, well, how do you know if a prophecy's true or not if it comes to pass? Can't just throw anything out there. And he said, listen, this is my prophetic voice. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. This is what the Lord always says. Listen, do not be afraid. Do you know that's in the Bible 365 times? One time for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Back in my, prophet, my prophetic voice. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours but God's. Very good. Verse 16, he goes to Google Maps. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You say, why is that verse in there? Here's why. Listen, you got to get this. Because it doesn't matter if you know where the enemy's at or not. God always knows where the enemy is. You say, well, I don't know where the enemy is. I don't know where he's at in my life. And I don't know what he's going to do. And I don't know what his plans are. It doesn't matter that you don't know what his plans are. As long as you're, you're serving the God who knows what his plans are. i got to close this sermon out in closing. He says in verse 17, look, he's still prophesying. He's still speaking. This is God. You will not need to fight in this battle. Doesn't sound like much of a battle to me if I'm not going to get to fight in it. But I like it. Position yourselves. Stand still. That's so hard for us to do. You know what's really hard for us to do? Stand still and huff. Isn't that true? I'm telling you right now, if some of you would stand still and stop talking, God could do some stuff in your life. Now, really, I'm talking to more of the second service people, but really, y'all, I know some of y'all too. <clears throat> so he says, he says, do not fear, be dismayed tomorrow, go out against them. Why? Why? For the Lord is with you. Let me go back and read verse 17 again. Position yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, old Judah and Jerusalem. Here it is again. He says it again. Do not fear. Stop worrying. Stop shaking. Stop trembling. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against the enemy for the Lord is with you. Now the reaction of that was hallelujah. i got to tell you something. If I saw the dust of the chariots coming and God just told me don't worry about it, I'm going to take care of it, I'd have got Pentecostal right there. And they did. Look at verse 18. It says, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. I mean, he laid right down on the ground and stuck his nose in the dirt. And all Judah did the same thing. And all the inhabitants of Jerusalem did the same thing. They bowed before the Lord. What's the next word? Worshiping. Worshiping. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Worship is a weapon. It is a weapon. You say, well, you're like the guy in the video. I just don't get loud and I just don't raise my hands. And I'm just not like that and I'm not made out of that. And I just come from this kind of church. And I, well, let me tell you something. You're hurting yourself. I'm not saying you've got to do like I do. I'm not saying you've got to do like somebody else does. But I'm telling you something right now. If you want to defeat the enemy in your life, you've got to learn how to worship God. You've got to learn how to worship. 
Worship your way, but worship. So he says, he's worshiping the Lord. Verse 19, the Levites of the uh, children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Kohites and of the children of the Termites stood up to what? Stood up to what? Praise the Lord God of Israel. Very timid, very quiet. Hold it down. Don't want to offend anybody. Nope. Says they praise the Lord God with voices what? Loud and high. So I guess they went, praise the Lord. You know, I don't know. That just means they did it loud. Verse 20. You know, some of us who, who are like the guy in the video who we say we're not loud with our worship or we're not outward with our worship. I'll tell you what. You have a child with cancer and let the doctor come in and tell you he didn't find any cancer. You get loud. You'll get loud. Amen, amen. Verse 20, so they rose early in the morning. I don't think that part's inspired right there, really. I don't. I think that's just a comment of the writer. No. They, so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And, they, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, old Judah. Now he's talking to the people. He says, Hear me, old Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophet, and you shall prosper. And he consulted with the leaders of the people, and he appointed those who would what? Sing. Wait a minute. We're going into war, and you're putting a choir together? Yes, because worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. Now, I've, I've heard some choirs that bring the house down, but not in a good way. Have, y'all, have we got a good choir? Holy moly, I'm telling you. And he says, uh, he says he appointed uh, people to sing who should what? Praise. We're worshiping the beauty of his holiness. And they went out when? They went out where? Before the army. So the choir's in front of the army. Because he knows, and this is key, and I know I'm going over my time here, but this is key for you to get this. Praise confuses the enemy. That's why we sing first. Listen, when we're worshiping, I'm telling you, Satan, and we do believe in him, he is a decided fact. He is a destructive force, and he's a what? Defeated foe because of the cross and the empty tomb. But he plans against every service we have. Every worship service we have, he plans against it to destroy it. But there is a, there is a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. I believe this morning, and I don't mean to freak you out, but if your spiritual eyes could be open, you would see demons and angels fighting for the success of this service right here this morning. You say, mm, that messes me up right there. Well, don't leave. All right? So he put the worshipers first because worship confuses the enemy. That's why preaching is last. So the man of God can stand up here and preach because you guys have already gotten rid of the enemy. He can't fight us anymore. You've gotten rid of him. Now the man of God can stand and preach the word of God. And so he writes a little chorus for him. And God says, all right, choir, I want you to sing this little chorus. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That's the end of verse 21. I wrote the tune. The tune isn't in here. I just kind of wrote the tune myself. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now look what happens. Verse 27, 22, I'm sorry, 22. Now when they began to sing, when? Not before, but when they began to sing, and when they began to what? Praise, 
the Lord set ambushment against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Now, I'm going to put my notes aside, and I'm going to just preach the rest of this, and you guys can read it when you get home, okay? So, in closing, yes. Um, so, so I, I, y'all got to let me act this out just a little bit. The choir, you know, they're coming. God told the choir, I want you to come and, uh, and just sing as loud as you can. Praise the Lord for his mercy endure forever. Praise the Lord. And so they're singing. They practiced, went over it a couple of times. Richard was leading them. And so, <clears throat> and so uh, they're, they're coming. And uh, the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, I'm not real sure what happened, but the Bible says that these three armies were kind of down in a valley and the people of God were kind of coming over the mountaintop. And I don't know what happened, but maybe it began to echo down in that valley. It just began to echo. And, and maybe there was a guy keeping watch, and he woke up and went, Oh, my Lord, Jehoshaphat has hired an army against us. And there are thousands coming. And they're just coming, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And so the people of Ammon get confused, and the people of Moab get confused, the people of Mount Seir get confused. Listen to this. And they turned on each other. The people of God hadn't even got there yet. And the people of Ammon and Moab killed the people of Mount Seir. And when they killed all the people of Mount Seir, then they looked at each other and went, Whoo! And they started killing each other. And the Bible says when they got through, everybody was dead. Well, now the choir doesn't know this. Judah doesn't know this, so they're still singing, praise the Lord for his mercy. They're still coming to battle. The army's behind them. And the choir's going, praise the Lord for his mercy. And when they get there, the Bible says they kind of walked up on the edge and looked down in the valley. And there was this southern guy. This is my part. <laughs> on the front, Gomer. And he looked down and saw everything. He said, they're dead. Everybody's dead. You know what the Bible says then? Listen, guys, this is awesome. The Bible says they went down and they started collecting the jewelry off of the bodies, dead bodies, to take back to the house of God where it belongs. God will take away from the wicked the prosper and give it to his people. I'm telling you right now. Listen to this. Listen. So they, it took them three, there was so much gold and silver and diamonds and rubies and jewels. It took them three days to collect it all. I can just see them walking through, picking it up. I can see the women. And they go and they pick it up and they go, he's been to Jared. And then they, and they put it in the back. Y'all with me out there? Now, let me tell you what the rest of this story says. The rest of this story says, listen, it says they, they just, when they, when they got it all collected and were going back to the house of God, they went back with joy. They went back worshiping. They went back praising God for the victory. Let me tell you something right now, and then I'm done. When do you praise God? Pastor, I, I want to learn to praise God. When do I do it? Two times. When you feel like it and when you don't. Those are the only two times you have to praise God. You praise him before the battle, you praise him in the battle, and you praise him when the battle's won. Amen, amen. I'm telling you right now, if you're not, learn, if you're not developing your worship life, 
the devil's going to overcome you. He's going to have way more victories in your life than he would if you will develop your worship life. If you will learn to quit crying out to God and whining to God and start praising him for his goodness in your life and praising him for who he is, you're going to get set free in some areas and you're going to be blessed in some areas where you're not yet blessed. I dare you to move. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the word of God be in us this morning. Let it change us. Make us what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, now listen to me.